This is Line Dance Podcast. I'm Christopher Gonzalez. And we are back. We just left Stoney's Rockin' Rodeo after another great night of dancing there, their holiday party. As we resume what I love about Ideal Line Dance Bar, we continue with number 17. Venue slash brand presence throughout community makes me feel like it's an important place to go. So an example of that would be like when a place enters in a parade, a local parade, like Butter and Eggs Day Parade at, um, in Petaluma, or Rose Parade in Santa Rosa, or if they have billboards up, if they advertise in enough places so that you can point out one of their advertisements to your friend and be like, hey, look, that's the place that I go. And they're known all over town because here are all their bulletin boards or, or whatever, you know, all their things that they post, billboards. Okay, I can see what you mean by that. Like one of my favorite things when I was younger about um, swing dancing is we would have special events at the Wednesday night market during the summer. Yes. So being more involved that way and promoting that way, <coughs> I can definitely understand like how it makes you feel a little bit more like almost bragging rights. Yep. Also, it shows that they aren't ashamed to be in the city they are. Like, they're not trying to be some hole-in-the-wall exception to what the rest of the town is doing. They are part of the town, and they're happy to be there. Yeah. Not all places do this that I've seen, but uh, some do. Some integrate with radio stations, like Stoney's did tonight. They were working with, I think, KNCI? I think so. (laughs) And Mavericks used to do that with... um, 106.3, 106.3, I believe. The wolf? Yeah. Is it the wolf? The bull? The bull, that's what it was. The other animal. <laughs> yeah. Um, and just knowing that they're out there makes you feel more legitimate yourself as a dancer who goes there. Because if they don't feel like they're, if they, they don't seem like they're hiding, then you don't have to seem like you're hiding by going there. I can see that. All right. Well, that was a quick one. So, yeah. Ideal line dance place. Show off a little, get involved, be in town. Number 18. <clears throat> what I love about Ideal Line Dance Bar. Incentives to order various menu items, e.g. drink specials, loyalty cards, fun facts. Yeah, drink specials or even like special events. For instance, like Stoney's Tonight was going to do the turkey dinner. Yep. Um, stuff like that, I think, adds to it. Uh, I know a lot of people, myself excluded in this, uh, were complaining about one of the venues that was attempting to host a country night, uh, specifically country night, in Santa Rosa. A lot of people complained about their drink prices because they are used to having specials at, say, like Mavericks. Mavericks always had really good, you know, bar specials going on, uh. I know, I'm not sure how, like, a loyalty would work, per se, in a bar setting, but it's part of the reason why I always choose Starbucks. Mm, yep. Because you accumulate points, and because you're stars, and when you get so many stars, you get free stuff, so that adds to it and makes me more inclined to want to spend my couple dollars there as opposed <coughs> to somewhere else. 
And it's amazing because the free thing that you get, nothing on the menu is that expensive. It's, it couldn't be more than like $6 unless you're adding like espresso Crazy. shot after espresso yeah. shot. So they aren't losing that much money by giving you the free thing, but they're gaining so much money uh-huh. by having you buy that thing after thing. Yeah. Yeah. And you still feel like you're getting this sneaky thing like, aha, here I get my free $3 muffin, but it Pete's where everything else is equal, I don't get my $3 muffin, so I'm going to deprive them of all this money. Yep. Yeah. And for people like me who aren't really, I mean, I'm not a drink and dancer generally. Yeah. That throws off my walls and whatnot. Um, I would still have bought, like, I remember I did this at Mavericks. I would get their dollar shots when it landed on the color of my wristband because I could buy it for other people. It was exactly. cheap enough that I could justify it to myself. Yeah. I remember those wristband nights. Yeah. Where they would spin the wheel and when it landed on your color, you got whatever special drink that they had advertised for that one song for a dollar. And I don't ever remember them putting a limit on it either. So, you know, you'd go up and buy like five shots for your friends and you. Also, having themed drinks makes it seem different from just drinking at home. Like, I could buy a fifth of whatever and then save a lot of money and drink it at home but like where's the fun in that when you can go to a bar and they can take that fifth mix it with some other cool stuff and then you have a drink that's named after the bar or after one of their patrons or something holiday related yeah makes it different from a normal day exactly all right and related but somewhat uh, different is the idea of (coughs) free samples Free samples are offered to promote menu items. This is slightly different from the incentive to order menu items and also slightly different from the um, the one we had earlier about food at the end of the night. Food is tasty, satisfies hunger, is competitively priced. Um, with the free samples, I remember Mavericks doing that. And what it does is it tells you what's on their menu in a way that hits you like in the gut, literally. like. You can look at all their stuff and just a bunch of text on paper, but if you taste something that you didn't think you were going to like, then you're potentially going to get it later. And that might be more expensive than they would want to give out as one of their late night freebie things like mac and cheese or nachos. <coughs> it might be like a, like a beef item or something where you know they're putting a lot of money into it. So they can't give out like whole meals of it, but they know that if they give out a small sample of it and they sell that, then the margin they can make on it is worth whatever they would have given away in samples. And I know how reluctant I usually am to buy like full meal menu items when I'm going dancing because by the time I'm done with whatever it is that's keeping me on the floor, whatever I've eaten is probably cold. So I don't want to put down like $16 on a steak dinner and then have a lot of it as leftovers. Um, so I wouldn't want to risk buying something that I don't know I'm going to like. And if they give me a sample, then I know whether it's going to be worth my time. Yeah. yeah. Your thoughts? I was just thinking that it's one of my favorite things about Costco. Oh, yeah. Is that they give out just a little bit of samples. You know, a little bit of this or a little bit of that. And I'm almost always inclined to buy whatever that is because, one... You know, I have a fresh taste in my mouth to associate whether or not I like it. But two, then it's like, I also kind of feel guilty because they're giving me this free thing. And now I'm like, well, I, 
could use that because it was good. So maybe I, that's what I do want to eat tonight. And bars already kind of capitalize on this with beer where they'll give you a little splash of a few different things. And even if it seems like they're giving you so many splashes that you think, like, doesn't this add up to a drink? By the time you've had that many, you do feel guilty and you want to buy a full pint and then they make back whatever they lost. Yeah. Because margins. Exactly. <laughs> All right. Next up, number 20. Social media connection is encouraged through free Wi-Fi, photo backdrops, charging stations, and check-ins. So they encourage people to share their place on social media by those various means. I think that's a really good point. I like, I know I like checking into places. Mm -hmm. I like tagging my friends in places. I like the idea of taking photos. Uh, one of the, my favorite things about Stoney's is they have Ben, the photographer, he was there tonight. Mm -hmm. You know, and he takes pictures and then posts them up on the Stoney's, you know, website or whatever. And that's where we get to like see extra photos too. Uh, but I also like the idea that, you know, like I can share my own photos to Stoney's website. Yep. So when I, if I take something, I can be like, Stoney's, you know, I was here and with these people and it, not only is it me bragging about that and sharing my experience with the people who know of Stoney's, it's also getting spread across all my friends and my social media and you know if they like something then it gets you know spread that way which just means that much more of a chance of somebody new discovering it yep <laughs> and even if for whatever reason you don't have your phone on you or ben isn't there they even have that self-service photo thing in the mm -hmm. bar area where you pose in front of it and then they send it to your email address yep and with free wi-fi you also have the option of uploading videos which can be troublesome on mobile connections if you have paid mobile data and you don't want to use it up. Exactly. Then you can just connect to their guest Wi-Fi. And some places have made it easier than others to do that. Sometimes it's just open. Sometimes they have the password written on like one of the placards on the tables. Sometimes you have to actually ask the people who work there and not everybody knows the password. Right. Sometimes it's a difficult to remember one. Whereas I think at the grad, they had one for uh, a while. I don't know if it's still the, the current password, but it was eat pizza. So not only is it easy to remember, but it encourages you to eat pizza. Right. Yeah. I think uh, at Stoney's, it's Sacramento. So that reminds you where you are. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Let's see. Was there anything else listed in that one? Wi-Fi, photo backdrop. Oh, photo backdrops. They do that uh, also at the circuit events sometimes. They'll just have a nice thing that you can pose in front of yeah. because some places are not like super photogenic on their own uh, but if they have a little area that's set aside to be photogenic then it'll look better than it normally is right. when it's posted to the internet which is good for the venue yeah well I mean think about how many like Hollywood photos you see of all these actors on the red carpet and they're standing in front of some type of billboard with all of these like sponsors on them mm. you know even something as simple as like having that and then maybe off to the corner you can even have you know like your own logo there too or if you have sponsors that are helping you at your event you can have those on there you know just something 
charging stations are also on this list because some places also make it easier than others to find a place to charge your phone. If you're trying to invite a friend over and you're saying like, hey, come to this place and your phone's about to die, like you might just have to leave at that point. Like if you can't, if you can't stay there and be on the phone or text or do whatever it is that you need to do with your phone, then you might just have to leave wherever it is because you don't know if they're going to be able to pick you up later. Maybe your phone will die by that point. Yeah. Or in our case, when we first started going to Stoney's, directions home. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> and occasionally there will be road work, so then you have to really figure out, again, which direction to go. Mm-hmm. And, you know, GPS is what I use on my phone, and if my phone's dead, that can be troublesome. Yeah. Yeah, so having... Definitely having outlets that people know they can use, that's good. But I mean, even better than that, if they can offer power strips or if they want to get super fancy and offer a few sort of in-house charging plugs for popular types of phones, that would be even more helpful like they do at libraries and airports. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Number 21. What I love about Ideal Line Dance Bar. 18 to 20-year-old patrons are respected as legitimate guests, not second-class citizens. I'll let you take that one while I have a sip of water. Yeah. Um, I know Stoney's does a really, really good job. And I think some of that has to do with the fact that the bar is in a separate room from the dance floor. Now, that's not to say that, you know someone can't just simply pick up a drink and drink it but generally speaking from what I've seen most of the time that's not the case uh, yeah, there's also security that walks around pretty frequently and they they have the different like you know 18 year old to 20 get you know the marker on their hands and 21 and up get the wristband on those special nights I know, like, it's how you get new blood in. That's how, that's when I started line dancing was when I was 18. I turned 18, like, the very next day, I was at KJ's kind of situation. So, had I not been exposed to it when I had been, who knows where I would have ended up. So, just to, like, exclude them all together, I feel you're missing out on a lot of potential business that you can access if you know how to market to them. Like, figure out what it is that they would buy to make up for the fact that they're not buying drink prices. Right. You know, I know for a while there, Mavericks was charging them a little bit extra cover because they won't be buying drinks. Mm -hmm. Whereas, you know, you figure most 21 and over will buy at least one drink or whatever. I also think that it's in important because of the fact that it gives more of an opportunity to spread the word because like I said I started when I was 18 and it was me and like three of my friends who were all 18 and that's generally how you get people in is because you're such you know a big passionate person for dancing or you had a fun night that one time you came so you're like no you're coming with me next time if you don't have that, you know, it's not as fun. And there's so 
their own local parties. Sometimes, go ahead. Go ahead, no, go ahead. Well, sometimes I think you need to sell things at cost also. Like, I like that Wine Country Line Dance has all non-alcoholic beverages, and they don't gouge. Exactly. Like, it would be easy to say, well, since the kids, um, at a bar, since the kids aren't buying shots, we need to get back what they should be spending, so we're going to charge 3 to $5 for a soda. When they know very well they can go to Costco, get however many, and sell them for much, much cheaper. Yeah. And... They might be thinking, oh, well, we're not making enough money on on these drinks. It's not about the drinks. It's about making them happy. You're already getting their cover, which is more than the 21 and overs. By making them happy, they come back, and you get that cover every week. Exactly. If you make them unhappy and overcharge them on drinks, then, yeah, you made however much surplus, you know, $2 profit on that soda, but they're not going to be back because they're going to complain to all their friends that they got gouged, and now you don't have them and you don't have their friends. Exactly. I know if there can be issues with, like like I said, the underage drinking part of it. So, like, you do have to be aware. I mean, I'll, I'll admit I have uh, pre-gamed before. Whether I was of legal age or not, I have done it. <laughs> but at the same time, that is why you need to have, like, security trained. Yes. You know, and there's something to be said to be, okay, well, you're not kicked out indefinitely. Just don't come back tonight. You know, I don't want to see you for a day. Something like that. As opposed to you're banned indefinitely or something silly like that. Now, obviously, there are those cases in which that is necessary, but you know, I know at KJ's, when, you know, 18 to 20, I always felt welcome. They had enough stuff going on on the 18 to 20 side that kept me entertained and kept me feeling a part of everything that I didn't feel like I needed to be on that 21 and over side to be, like, treated like a human being. And to give some context to people, the way the structure of of uh, Kodiak Jacks was laid out was there was a dance floor in we'll just identify that as the middle of the area, the, the building whatever you want to call it, and then there were two stairwells that went up to the bar where they had security checking to see if you had a wristband to go up to the bar area if you didn't, then you just stayed down below now if you were down below, they had the smoking room, they had some booths uh, the they, bathrooms were the, yeah, the bathrooms down there um, I think they distributed their free food down there when they did those nights. Uh, they had, I think, at least one full table around the, the other I side. I believe so. That was where the bull was. Where you could ride the bull, the mechanical bull. Really? Yeah. Interesting. I, um, remembered the, I remembered when they had the bull up by the front in the 21 and over side. But they oh. did, uh, during that period of time, they had escorts. So if you were 18 and over and you wanted to ride it on, when it was on that side... Uh, they would take you up the stairwell. You would go do the bull thing, which was in its own semi-enclosed area. Uh, and then when you were done, you would just get escorted back to the 18 over area. Yeah. Um, I know that there was a, a bar, like, booth kind of thing back there where you could order food. Yep. Or grab your wa- you know, grab water or drink or something like that. That was legal. <laughs> um, that was over there. And like I said, I just I always 
always felt like included and taken care of on that side. Like I wasn't missing out on anything in particular other than the alcohol, which right. I wasn't old enough to drink anyways. So there's that. And you mentioned training the staff. I think one thing also that ties in with one of the earlier ones about staff not treating you like a criminal waiting to strike. If they don't look like they're always suspicious and they're just waiting for you to drink the wrong drink, but, like, they actually make friends with you. Like, I'm not saying they need to go up to every single minor and learn their, you know, first, last, middle names or anything, but if they are friendly, if they come at the minors from a place of friendliness and trust and I hope you have a great night, that sort of thing, the minors are not going to want to disappoint them and break that, yeah, break that, like, little sort of starting out friendship when it's a lot, <laughs> it's a lot harder to build and keep a friendship with, you know, especially like security type people, than it is to sneak a drink. Like, are you really going to blow it for the rest of the time you could have been going there and disappoint this one person in particular just so you can have your sloppy, whatever, couple shots that you sneak in the bathroom? Yeah. I think a lot of people just on a human level would not want to hurt somebody like that. And if the, if the security person seems like they're legitimately happy to meet them and, you know, get to know them, then I think just the natural reciprocity would be like, okay, I'm not going to mess up. I don't want to make this guy look bad. He trusted me. Right. All right. Number 22, introduction of new dances is encouraged from patrons. Yeah. It... I know I was explaining this to a coworker a little while ago, and I was saying how there's a lot of places that I enjoy going for whatever reason, but Stoney's feels like it's my place. It's my home. Mm-hmm. And part of that is because they are so wel- welcoming. For instance, tonight, it was, you know, most of the patrons had already left for the evening, so it was definitely sparse on the patrons. Um, so we were able to get one of our newer learned dances played there. Oh, yeah, for, like, the second to last dance. Cause yeah. Like, yeah, it, there were enough people gone where it wouldn't, like, confuse people. Exactly, which I'm, I'm okay with, like, waiting to play, like, the new dances when there's only, like, two or three people who know it. Mm. Till like, you know, it's kind of sparse in the night. I'm okay with that. I can wait for that. But the fact that I still get to do it makes me feel, like, so welcome and so involved in this... Invested. That's the word I was like. Invested in this establishment. Like, I want this this establishment to stay around for as long as humanly possible. So, I'm going to keep coming back. I'm going to keep paying that cover charge. I'm going to keep trying to bring my friends here because I feel valued. Yep. And having the new dances, I mean, that's how More Dessert became so much more popular here and at the grad, actually, was you and I had learned it. They were gracious enough to let us dance it where a couple people had seen it and was like, I need to learn that dance. George Peaches and Broken Hearts, I think. You know, I need to learn that dance. So it was like the fact that I was able to be a part of that makes me feel like I have so much more to lose if something happens to this venue. Mm-hmm. Also, to clarify for anybody who 
learned from us, um, Georgia Peaches, we discovered later it's not actually its own dance. Nope. No, there um, there was a dance before it that's still done in many places. It's very popular. It's called the cowboy hip hop, and somebody at some point along the line of line dance history decided to do the cowboy hip hop with some slight variations to the song Georgia Peaches by Laura and Elena. When they uploaded it to YouTube, they had picked it up sort of secondhand from someone else. They thought the dance was called Georgia Peaches. So when it came to our home bar back in the day, it was exposed to everybody there as Georgia Peaches. We learned it. We had the only tutorial video on YouTube for what we called Georgia Peaches. And when we did it at the Davis Graduate and kept requesting it, we requested Georgia Peaches. So, on behalf of Sonoma State Line Dance Club, we're sorry. <laughs> it's the cowboy hip hop. Didn't mean to confuse everyone. I'm sure if you just keep it's requesting cowboy hip hop with variations. Yes, it is. It is. It's the cowboy hip hop with variations. Um, if you request it as Georgia Peaches locally, they'll know what you're talking about. Anywhere else, maybe not. Because it's not really not. a dance, it doesn't really have a step sheet. It's one of those variations that just is done so consistently that it's like its own dance. Yep. Yeah. So, yeah. Felt like I should set the record straight on that one. Broken Heart. That's another one where its name is actually Broken Heart. But I guess we weren't we weren't clear enough the first few times that we requested it. So people know it as Mama's Broken Heart because that's the name of the song. And it's called out as Mama's Broken Heart. People request it as Mama's Broken Heart. The dance, as Virginie Bourgeau uh, created it, is Broken Heart. And that almost happened with More Dessert also, since I think the song is Dessert. It was yes. getting called at first as Dessert, and I thought, no, not not the Broken Heart thing again. <laughs> it's More Dessert, and and um, yeah, we'll just we'll just nip that butt right now. <laughs> yeah. Ah, <laughs> so yes, investment. I don't know if I said anything about this particular one. Uh, introduction of new dances is encouraged for patrons. Also, I mean, even if there are people who don't voice it to the staff, there are probably some people at any given place who feel like some of the playlist is stale. So, in addition to having patrons specifically bringing in new dances, it's just one of those things where maybe it doesn't occur to the teacher who is trying to keep up with all the old ones that they're recycling and teaching and, and keeping alive, they don't think that maybe somebody somewhere in the back of the bar is like folding their arms, wishing that God bless Texas would just go away. Like if there's no, if there's no new influx of these dances, if they just keep having to put variations on the old ones, then eventually they might stop going because you plateau and you're doing the same stuff in front of the same people you want to move on to greener pastures and you know, strike your stuff somewhere else. But if you're especially one of the people who's doing one of the brand new ones, then you get that special feeling you had at the beginning of before you plateaued and you stick around a while longer. Yeah. And that's not to say like the classic ones need to go because oh, no. as we've recently discovered, they have their value mm -hmm. in such an instrumental capacity that cannot be replaced but you can get just like anything else you can get really sick of hearing and seeing the same thing 
over and over and over again to the point where you're like, why do I show up? What is the point? I can only put so many different spins on this to occupy my brain because that's the other thing is there's certain movements and certain dances that I never would have thought of, but because I wasn't ever exposed to them prior to that specific dance. So if I don't learn anything new, I only have the so many different ways my body has already been accustomed to moving. And now I have to learn, oh, a sweep, you know, which are very popular in most dances right now. Or, you know, just anything else that, like, is not in those key core dances that most people start out with. It helps, you know, it helps when you go back having a bigger vocabulary to choose from in how you want to express electric slide. And for the dances where the steps in in and of themselves are valuable, but there isn't really much in the way of history of it, like, if you don't know the choreographer, if there are so many variations that learning it at your place is going to make it different someplace else, um, <laughs> in that case, maybe just let that one go extinct. Choreograph a new one or find another one that hits a lot of the similar types of steps that are in that. And then introduce it, hoping that maybe it will take off as, or maybe push it as a sort of new classic. That way, people know unambiguously this is how it's done. It's new enough that there is a step sheet. And people can do this if they want to do all their kicky stompy stuff instead of doing this other one where they have kicky stompy stuff, but it's different than everywhere else that they would see it, even if it's just by like two counts. Like I know Power Jam, slightly different. Sl- slap and Leather, slightly different when we do it here versus other places. Yeah. If other places just, if we all just stopped doing Slap and Leather and instead did that dance Footloose, that newer dance Footloose, not that I'm advocating for because I don't actually know it myself. Right. I'm... But um, if, if people did that to Footloose instead, then we would know that's the same version. We're all doing the same stuff. I can take this anywhere. Slap and leather, that's not guaranteed. A lot of the steps are the same. Why not just pick the one where we can all be on the same page? Yeah. yeah. Oh, and also uh, one sort of caveat, or not caveat, but sort of a qualifier, moderator, whatever you want to call for this this uh, quality here uh, of an ideal land dance bar. Introduction to dances encouraged for patrons. There should also be somebody who keeps um, the inmates from running the asylum, so to speak, where sometimes people... I, I feel like I've gotten better about this myself, but um, sometimes people will get very excited to learn all their handful of new dances from YouTube or an event or whatever, and they'll just want to bring them all at the same time and then bump all the old ones. And then if that's left to continue for, let's say, three months, somebody who was in grad school or whatever, just away for a short period, they come back to their favorite bar and they don't know any of the dances. And now they don't enjoy it as much and the venue loses money and they go out of business. And then the person who was so enthusiastic and requested all those new dances, they don't get to dance anywhere either because they wrecked it for themselves. (laughs) So it's good to have somebody like maybe the the house instructor or whatnot, to say, okay, wow, that's a really good one. Oh, wow, I've never seen that one before. We should make that a lesson. We should add that to the playlist. And that other one, that's really good too. 
let's hold off on that one for a couple of months. Let's let's see how that one goes in you know February or something. Yeah. Because it's really good. I'm sure they'll still want to do it then. But we don't want to overwhelm people. Right. And then whichever other one is on its way out, you know, right now you can bump. You can get away with bumping one of them, but you'll need to wait a couple months before you can naturally bump another one and not have it be before it's time. Yeah. Also, it ends up being sort of self-destructive for the person who's bringing in all these new dances, even if they're super excited, because maybe they'll start playing the one that they requested for a month, and people are just starting to catch on to it, and they're like, okay, great. And you're already on to a new dance. Exactly. And now you're not requesting it anymore. That person who was excited to learn it doesn't have anyone to dance it with, and again, making anyone unhappy could potentially be the loss of a customer. So you don't get to do... You've bumped your own dance. So you don't get to do that dance that you liked a month ago. And anyone who could have liked it doesn't have a chance to do it anymore. And it's... And with that, even too, you know, it's... Being open to the different genres of dance. I mean, like, I understand there's certain dances that will probably never make it to a bar scene. Mm. I.e. Pieces. Yep. Or lay low. They're on the slower side. They're beautiful dances. I love dancing them. But they're really not geared towards the bar type patron. And even if they play lay low or like sangria, they're probably going to do a partner dance to it because that's that's going to engage it, more people. It's exactly. It's going to engage more people as opposed to, you know, the smaller um, niche. So with that said... I do understand that there are certain things that just shouldn't <laughs> necessarily... It's not ready for... Time is not ready yet to integrate everything. Right. But to be open, for instance, like, more dessert, which definitely has a unique sound to it and fun movement, which you don't... I mean, a year ago, I probably would have looked at it and been like, you want me to do what with my hands? You want me to clap? Like, What? You know, it was hard enough for me just clapping in, say, um, merry-go-round. Or even doing that foot thing, like the step, swivel, swivel, butta, butta, butta. Yeah. Back in the day, like, I remember when slap and leather, that that whole hook bit, the, like, six counts, or in SoCal, eight counts, of, like, heel and heel and heel, heel, toe, toe, blah, 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 blah. Like, that right? freaked me out. I was not ready to do all that stuff with my legs. Right. And here they are in more dessert with their swivel stuff on my right foot. Exactly. And so, you know, I, I can see how some of those could be, like, intimidating me. Like, I don't know how many people would learn this. I don't know how many people would really enjoy it. I know that slowly but surely we are getting more and more people learning that dance because each time we dance it, I know there's somebody else excited because they just learned it. Yep. And it's like, yeah, 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 come on, come on, come on. Dance next to me. Dance next to me. Come on. Get out here. I know you just, I know, come on. I know you learned it. Yes, let's practice. Come on, let's do this. And had, you know, like, they've not been open to the music style, that really could have limited them. Um, another example, like, wakey, wakey. Like, I love doing that dance at Stoney's. That floor is so much fun to dance on. And with the lights and everything and then doing that dance is a lot of fun 
but it's a different sound. It's a different music than country. Yep. Which I am not above dancing country songs. I love country. I mean, we did, you know, Creep into Truck, yeah. Yeah, or Four on the Floor, the Rice. Yeah, I love those dances. So, like, I think that those are just as important, but a lot of stuff nowadays is branching into the hip-hop, into the rock, into the pop that's also country. And, you know, like, if you're just solely stuck on country, you can limit yourself to the point of being stuck in that box really quickly of, oh, well, we play the same 20 songs every night. Yeah. You know, and I... I mean, I like that there's certain dances that you can do to other songs, but I'm really, really, really fond of having the dance that's choreographed to that song. I don't know what it is about it, but I really enjoy doing it to the original. It's like Men in Black for some reason. I've danced it to gosh knows how many different songs. And yes, it hits on some really fun songs. But I love it to the original Men in Black song. It's my favorite. If I hear that, I will go out and I, I will dance it. As opposed to, eh, I can sit this one out. So. Now, with Mbop, it's tricky because I, I would not necessarily recommend doing it to the original song when compared to others. But it also seems like a waste when they could teach at whatever place, let's say they're using the song Shut Up and Dance, and there's an option to do a dance that's very well suited for it called Dance With Me, for example. Yes. That seems like a waste of an opportunity to expose more people to a new choreographer and put new steps into their legs and just have it be swallowed up by Mbop. And then have the same thing happen for, let's say... Uptown Funk, and you know how how many dances exist for Uptown Funk, and maybe it'll just be another Mbop. Like, yeah, so many good dances can just oh, I'm gonna say like wasted. They, they, so many good good uh, um, songs are wasted with Mbop on filler dance. Yeah, basically. when when a different dance could have been like choreographed to that song that hits even better. Right. So with with a dance like that, like it's tricky because like you on the one hand can't really go back to Mbop. Just like with Sweet Sensation, I don't know how many people are gonna want to do I Want Candy by Aaron Carter. But if you do it to anything else, there's probably another dance out there that would help a new choreographer and would introduce you to something new and exciting. Well, and that's where it, it comes in handy that if you're the head instructor or the person essentially responsible for bringing in the new dances, having them, first off and foremost, be aware of a website such as Copper Knob. Yeah. <laughs> that's kind of key because they could go on, type up whatever dance it is or whatever song and figure out, oh, there's a dance to this, or oh, there's not a dance to this. This this could either A, we could choreograph our own and it'd be special here, or B, this would be a good, you know, dance to do Sweet Sensation to, or, you know, something to that extent. Because yes, I do believe that every once in a while you need to freshen the playlist with some of those dances, but at the same time, like you had said, 
that just dance with me. I, I would so much rather do that one. Than, oh, dance with me, the dance. dance with me, yeah. To the song "Shut Up and Dance." Yeah, that one. Sorry. Right. Yeah, oh, I would sorry. so much rather do that one than Mbop to it. Right. Yeah, and back in the day, like I first heard Mbop to "What Makes You Beautiful" by One Direction, and I never thought to look up whether there would have been something better for it. Um, just like Free and Easy by Dirk Bentley, they would sometimes play that on Ryan's more country-focused nights at Mavericks. Yeah. And I would think, oh, this works pretty well, too. I like what the Mavericks girls are doing with, like, this part of the song. And I wouldn't think there could be another better song for this, or uh, another another better dance for this song. Yeah. I would just kind of accept it. Um, I, there's a lot of trust that you have to put in the, the instructor, and along with that there should be sort of a reciprocal trust from the instructor that if, coming back to the prompt uh, or, or feature here, uh, if the instructor hears from a patron that there is another dance out there, they won't be tempted to just recycle a dance for that song or try to choreograph a very local, won't be done anywhere else dance that does not hit very well and then have that be the only option for that song because it might be a really good song and the instructor doesn't always have time to look up if there's something for it if they are willing to listen to the patrons then maybe a, a great dance could come along the patrons can bring it in and more happy people more return customers yeah Woo! number 23 <clears throat> what I love about Ideal Line Dance Bar all dances are fair game to learn and share, e.g. non-proprietary to dance teams. That was a, somebody wrote about a year ago. What would you like to say about this? Okay. So, because I have been on both sides of the fence. Yes. I agree wholeheartedly. Don't get me wrong. I love having that special bond with my team at the time that... We are the only ones who know this. But I think that what needs to happen is once we perform it, in my theory anyways, was once we perform it in front of people, it now needs to be taught. It now needs to become part of the community because we have now shown you the dance and it was more of a tease knowing that here's this really awesome, cool-looking dance, but I'm not allowed to learn it. I'm not allowed to dance it because it is a team dance only. Yeah. And that was so discouraging because a lot of times they got to do the really cool ones. Yeah, Broken Heart, that's where that came from. You know, and a lot of times, you know, I would look at it and be like, oh, man, well, maybe I can figure out where I could learn it from, which at the time I had no idea, you know, copper knob. And then like trying to figure out which YouTube video it was, was like, I think that was the one, you know, was always this like almost self doubt. Like maybe I, maybe I am looking at the wrong one. So do I really want to like spend all this time learning it, go out there and do the completely wrong dance, you know, but they weren't allowed to teach it to me. Or I wasn't allowed to learn it and dance it. If I did learn it, you know, and they requested it, 
and I got out there, there was always that look like, well, why are you out here? And it's oh, like, yeah. oh, well. I've gotten that sting guy before. Because I know the dance, and it's fun, and I want to dance it, you know? I thought that's why we were here. You know, so I was like, I do, I do understand the bond that it creates among the team having that special but again, I feel as though once it's performed, it is now you are offering it up on a platter for people to enjoy. So now it's a matter of, okay, let's teach it. Now, some of them, yes, I understand it's going to be hard. Like, for instance, um, sold. Right. <laughs> That's not necessarily one I would recommend teaching everyone. That wouldn't be one of those that's like, oh, yeah. We're going to have a lesson on it because it was a nightmare to learn. But if somebody wanted to learn it, I think that it should be open for them to learn. And I think it should be welcomed for them if it was performed or danced or requested in a venue to have the more the merrier. It sort of ties back to the earlier quality of free convenient access to dance lessons. Even if you're not going to an in-person lesson... I think more of an effort could be made by some venues to let you know which is the version they do there and who has the best lesson that they would recommend on YouTube so that if you wanted to go online and learn the dance that you know maybe only a few people know because it's like too difficult to teach a full lesson on, um, if they want to learn that dance, there, there are places they can go for it. They won't get overwhelmed by rifling through a bunch... First of all, discovering what Kapernav is in the first place. Or having the right name of the dance when with they the, see a bunch of them on YouTube. And with the right choreographer at mm. that. Yeah, because like maybe they only vaguely remember two of the steps that were done in it. And do you really want them to be frustrated and go through a bunch of different ones and watch ten seconds of each one? Be like, that's not it, that's not it. It's so easy when you know which version it is to post it on your website or post yeah. it on your Facebook. This is the one we're teaching tonight. Uh, or here's a special spotlight on one of our favorite dances here at Ideal Lion Dance Bar. Uh, and maybe it's one of the harder ones. They'll never teach a lesson on it, but if you want to learn it, fair game. Yeah. Well, and that's, I mean, it's, it's a fine line there, honestly. I think it's important that people know what the actual dance name is. And I think it's really important who the choreographer is. Because yes. I, you know, I hate to say it and admit it because I feel very foolish. But, you know, I knew that these line dances didn't just come out of thin air. But at the same time, it didn't occur to me that people created them. Oh, yeah. I so I should too. probably know who they are. especially now that I've met so many of them. <laughs> yeah, it's like you want to pay extra care to not just blow off certain steps, be like, oh, that, dan that, that part of the dance is stupid, so I'm not going to do it that way. Like, if you know that a person took time on it, right. and they tried to make it just that way so that it would hit this exact spot perfectly in, in their mind, like, you can do it as a variation, I guess, but, like, just, like, the respect level... Of, of having that attitude about it, yeah, that that could that could be remedied with knowing who the person is in the world, maybe following them on, them on Facebook and then thinking, okay, well, I don't want to let them down. Like, yeah, you know, maybe 
maybe maybe they, they'll never meet me. Maybe they don't really care. But just in case, like, I want to be able to do it. If I'm ever in the same room as them, like, I want to be able to do it the way they taught it so that I'm not, like, making them mad. Yeah. So I, I, I do definitely think that it's important to know what the dance is called. And I know that it's important to have, like, who the choreographer is. And being someone who has learned many different ways whether it be in person, at an event, at a line, you know, a line dance bar, at, you know, like YouTube or a step sheet or, I mean, like, I've had so many different kind of lessons that I really do feel very blessed that I can learn in multiple fashions. It's also key, though, that the instructor is an instructor for a reason and is getting paid so, like, depending on what's going on, like, there's even things that you could do where you can set up a workshop. Yep. Downside to that is how many people are going to be interested. Like, that would be one of those where potentially, I think we had brought in more dessert, like, just a few weeks prior to a planned workshop that they were going to include that dance on. So whether they actually ever got around to it or not, I do not recall. That would be something I'd have to speak with Cat Painter about. But it is important that, you know, the instructors do have that, you know, ability to teach. So even if they were the one going through and putting out an instructional video on a very advanced dance, such as Sold. <laughs> um, I only bring that up because... The, it's such a fast dance. So I know how much work I had to put into that one specifically. And the song for anybody who wants to look it up is uh, Sold by... Is it just the name? Of the song uh, yeah, the... Jason Michael Montgomery. Uh, John Michael Montgomery. John, John Michael Montgomery. Uh, Grunge County Auction. Sold at the Grunge County Auction or something okay. like that. But, um, <coughs> yeah, it's a very fast dance. And learning it... We learned from a gentleman, I believe he was speaking French at the time, so that was fun and challenging in itself. So, like, having, you know, an instructor go through and redo another demo. I mean, the more demos out there, in my opinion, the better off. Because although there are some very, very talented instructors out there that I would, I prefer, every once in a while it's nice to have a variety. Because... Just because someone, you know, might prefer one instructor doesn't mean someone else might prefer a different instructor. Um, and I know, uh, I believe it's uh, Branding Iron, right? They do their own videos? Borderline. Borderline. Okay, I know it was one of those. And Bex as well. Oh, okay. Yeah, Bex too. Um, and it's helpful because you're seeing people do it. You're getting walked through at the same time kind of situation and it's them it's their instructors are are actually walking you through the dances so it has still has that same personal touch and it's your instructor at that right you can trust that they're going to be giving you the information that's most relevant to you exactly so for instance if it's your local venue that you go to that you're proud to go to who you're proud to learn from and then they also have YouTube videos for some of the harder ones maybe 
or even some of the easier ones like it's an easy way that you're like oh I missed that lesson because I had to work the other night who knows when they're going to teach it again I could still go to instructor A and learn from them and then if I have any questions go to them and be like hey I couldn't quite understand this one part can you walk me through it real quick there's something to be said in that because I know it's taken me time and experience but I used to very much blindly just trust that my instructor knew what they were doing and I've learned the hard way that that's not always the case so that is one thing but if you have that like professional quality instructor that then also takes it to that step of walking you through online you can also then go home and redo the dance to solidify it yourself which I highly recommend with anything but say you're like oh no I don't remember if I'm doing this correctly again you can pull up that instructor that you trust and go and do it that way and if the instructor is concerned that it's taking away business from their lessons or their workshops, <coughs> then there are two things I would I would say to that. Uh, one, you can be more competitive. Like, if it's just a matter of they're going to your lesson for your lesson and only the steps, like, as they are, Versus doing the same thing at home for free, then sure, maybe the video wins out. That's why you, in person, need to give them a unique experience. Be friendly, personable, know their name, make jokes. Um, give them something they absolutely could not get from even the friendliest, most personable YouTube video. And that will make them want to go there in person and pay that money. For example, if, let's say, Roy Hedisabroto were to ever teach a lesson, for, he could teach the wobble, and I would pay to go to that lesson because it's Roy, and I know that he's going to be just a hoot to watch and yes. hear all the, the things, all the inflections in his voice when he pronounces certain things. Yes. Like, exactly. Yes. Specifically that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and um, in, in that sense, no video could compete with him as a person. So if you're an instructor, it's very easy to blame the video and say, oh, the video's taking away all blah, 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 my money. But you're better than a video. Believe in yourself. Believe in your personality. Believe in your ability to make a real human connection. And the video won't stand a chance. Yeah. Also, something to consider, maybe from more the venue manager uh, manager's perspective, is you are trying to bring in money but is it more important for let's say let's say the dance is going to come in one way or the other and you're trying to handicap people by uh, you know, not giving them easy access to videos or, or whatnot if you have let's say four four people who are underage and they could be paying you cumulatively forty dollars of cover uh, to do a dance that they learned at home from a video. If 
you don't give them access to that video and the only the only way you want to get money from them for that dance is by going to the workshop and have them pay like $20 or something, maybe none of them go or maybe one of them goes and now you've made $20 or you've made $0 when you could have made 40 for one night of cover by letting them learn their own way and just do what's easier for them. So monetarily, if you think you're not getting as much money because you're giving away the product for free at home, again, bring it back to what makes people happy, what makes them want to pay money to get in, and by making things as easy as possible for them, giving them the most options, you will make more money in the longer run. If you're making them unhappy by, as I say, handicapping them intentionally and telling them the only way to get this information is by going to this workshop, then they're not going to go to the workshop, possibly, and they're going to be upset at you. Maybe they won't want to come back. I mean, I, I take it to that extreme every time, it seems, but like, you never know when somebody's last time yeah. is their last time. You really can't take too many chances with, with um, places like this that rely on repeat customers. As we've personally experienced on several occasions. Yes. Um, but again, to kind of go off that a little bit more and essentially side back to where I was originally stating, mm -hmm. if you as the instructor of this ideal line pl dance place put out your own instructional videos with your own personal touch in it, and it's a decent, high quality, you know, not in your basement kind of like, you know, hand shaky camera, and people see you and they learn from you, when they then come in and see you in person, they're more inclined to take more of your lessons too. Oh yeah. Because of the fact that they were able to learn from you from a video, imagine what they would get from you from a class. Oh, definitely. And so. there are ways to be like infectious as a personality on video that will carry over. Um, and it makes me think of what Elliot Moore was talking about recently with how many people started out learning dances from him because they thought, oh, this is just like a regular guy. You know, he's, yeah. he's, he's a regular person like me and he has little flubs in the things he says he has to start over sometimes just imagine how much business he could have driven specifically to any given bar that he had favored at the time so that at the end of this video that all these people were watching they then know they can find him at cowboy country or the ranch or in cahoots instead he just kind of did it in a general sense he wasn't getting paid by anybody he was just doing it for himself and for his friends but if he had just been himself the way he was with everybody loving him and his style and his teaching method, if that had also been associated with some business that could have made money off of that, then that would have been a huge uh, advantage for that bar versus others. Exactly. Number 24. There's also another like bonus one that we were talking about lollipops, so we'll remember to bring it back to lollipops in a moment. Mm -hmm. uh, number 24, what I love about Ideal Line Dance Bar, attractive, professionally taking photos are posted to the venue's Facebook page. <laughs> Which I already definitely covered. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I love that about Stoney's. Mm -hmm. uh, I know a few events at Mavericks had them like I think they did it um, a few years ago with one of their like special New Year's Eve night ones um, and I know they've taken a couple when it comes 
find these really, really nice looking photos of people and having fun. And I know anytime Ben posts his 72 different pictures, I will go and I will look through every single one of those to see who I recognize and what night it was, if it was on a couple theme nights in a row or anything to that extent, or even try and find the ones like maybe I might have made an appearance in. And it's just so much nicer to have those quality photos that you maybe might not necessarily have been able to take because you were part of said conversation that was being, you know, taken a picture of, as opposed to, you know, oh, let's get a selfie. You know, that's not always the case having someone who knows what they're doing in photography take those pictures just adds so much value. Now obviously it's not something you can typically do every single night because that can probably get very expensive but having someone who's willing to go out at least a couple times a month just makes it so much more of an enriched environment and again something to be proud of for me anyways. Yeah, and for people who don't take a lot of time out of their life to do selfies or have other people take pictures of them, they might get to a point in their life where they need good photos of themselves for Facebook or OkCupid or Tinder or something where (coughs) they have to look like an interesting, fun person uh, who doesn't have a potato for a phone. And this is semi-related, but... um, I remember hearing something like, I don't know, a while back about how some people, I want to say in like the Civil War and maybe also like in the one or both World Wars, um, they didn't have a lot of nice clothes. Um, I want to say specifically maybe with like Civil War, if they didn't have nice clothes and somebody's offering them a uniform, that in itself is attractive because it makes them look better and it makes them look honorable and noble and something beyond what they ever could have afforded themselves and I think photographs like especially by professional photographers do the same thing where during the normal course of your week maybe nothing honestly maybe nothing happens that's worth taking a photo of you just kind of go to work and then you come home and play video games and you put on sweatpants or whatever your thing may be But if you need that photo that says I'm a fun, lively person and I have like one good pair of slacks and I I can smile when everyone else around me is smiling and look, I'm so normal, that can be your opportunity to do so. And it's it's just a a tiny little selling point that makes that bar different than going to some other bar where nobody's taking a photo of you and you're just surrounded by a bunch of grimy stuff on the walls and you know, you're not really proud to be there. Like, if you if you take one if, if you have one good photo taken of yourself the first night that that happens, it can be a positive feedback loop where you're like, that was really good. But I I could I bet I could make that even better. I'm gonna buy a hat, and next time they're gonna photograph me, I'm gonna be in a hat, and it's gonna look really good. And then they take that photo, and you're like, now I need the boots. I'm just like adding to my my arsenal here. And then at the end of it all, I'm gonna have a profile photo that says, everybody. Come date me. I'm so fun. And, like, that's an experience they couldn't have had at some place that didn't offer that. Yeah. Well, and I know at um, (coughs) Wine Country Line Dance, I 
am always chomping at the bit after getting home from one of those events going, okay, when are they going to post pictures? When are they going to post pictures? I want to see the rest of the pictures. Because, mm-hmm. like, you know, every once in a while you, you'll pose for one so you'll know you're a part of it. Mm-hmm. But I know, like, so many people are taking photos of it as you're dancing. So it's like sometimes you get these great action shots, i.e. your current profile picture. Um, for, like, one of my favorite ones from this last one, I have this really awkward, like, hands thrown up, foot kicked out for Funk and Feel It. And I knew exactly where it was because it's like, that is how I do that one spot. <laughs> um, but it just looks like I'm having a blast. And it's just so much fun. So having someone who is taking pictures while all this is going on and, you know, that's, again, Jono was up to visit from L.A. And so to have pictures with him in them at this event, you know, it's so special. I can look back and be like, oh, yay. It's the same thing when I look at certain things from... Stonies, you know, I'm like, oh yay, there's me and Lacey, or me and Chris, or me and Keith, or me and Celia, and you know, like so many different pictures. It's like, oh my gosh, I didn't realize I was being taken a picture of right then. That's kind of funny, you know. But they look good, quality photos and editing that you're like, you know, that might be a really ridiculous photo of me, but it looks good. Yep. So sometimes it's it's the kind of thing you don't want to admit that you want also because if you I mean, you could get a similar effect by just having some friend take pictures of you all night with like their nice fancy iPhone or whatever it takes good quality photos but then you feel nar- narcissistic and, a little bit and you're very conscious of everything that's going on and, and you kind of want to apologize when you take the camera back from them later but this way all the responsibility is off you because it's the venue who's doing it yeah. They are willing to to bear that burden themselves. So if anybody asks you, it's like the thing we were saying before about like flair. I think it might have been in, in Max Walcott's interview <coughs> where uh, if the choreographer puts something in that you really like doing but feels a little weird, then you can always just kind of blame it on the choreographer. Like yeah. I have to do it this way. That's how they said I have to do it. So it's it's all on them. Right. If I do secretly enjoy it. When you're getting a nice photo taken of yourself, same thing. Like, you you don't want you don't want everyone to know. Like, I need this photo because reasons that you're going to judge me on. If the venue is willing to do that themselves, then you just kind of throw your hands up and be like, oh well, since this photo exists, I suppose I shall use it for my profile photo. Right. And the other thing is, I know it's nice to see my friends look good in photos too. Yeah. So being able to be like, oh my gosh, that's such a perfect picture of Lacey. I get all excited because she looks great in that photo, professional, edited picture. And, you know, she may not have had that opportunity had that photographer not been there. Semi-related bonus thing bonus quality of an ideal line dance bar that we had touched on a bit off record is having a a little extra thing that's just completely useless but is a nice extra special off the record kind of a touch like when you go to the grad you know if you go to the DJ booth there's going to be a big pile of dum dum lollipops there Mm -hmm. they don't put that on their flyers 
they don't have to like it's it's lollipops but it's still a little special secret thing that you feel like you're in on when you go there and it's not like it's enough to nourish you it's not like the free samples of food thing or the carbs that keep you powered through the night it's just lollipops but you still feel like they are making the extra effort to make you happy and you want to return that favor by maybe coming back the next week because you know they care so you kind of care too yeah other places might do other things maybe it's that they have special wrap uh, what do you call wristbands so it's not just your standard wristband that's there because it has to be there maybe they pick ones that have like cute slogans or special designs because they want they want your night to be just that little bit better than a solid red solid blue solid green wristband they want you to go home and look at that and think I want to take this off this is really cute you know? it's like when you go to a festival and you keep that wristband as a souvenir Something that I was thinking about, because I wanted to obviously wait to see what else was on this list, and I think it's absolutely key, and it does kind of tie in with the staff being personable and, like, friendly. You need to have a DJ that knows what they're doing. Yes. One that's willing to listen to requests and knows how to fill a floor, but not completely ignore certain patrons just because either A they're there all the time so we're just going to be like yeah whatever they're usual they'll come anyways um, and they'll show up regardless or whatever but you had mentioned you know the other uh, one of the other nights that you know you weren't dancing a whole lot and DJ left his booth to specifically be like hey is there anything you want to dance to? I think that's crucial. I think also, um, I know part of my problems is when the DJ plays a lot of repeats. Now, yes, I do understand certain people want to request the song that maybe they weren't there prior to, and it is a guaranteed floor filler. But when you play that same wobble six times in one night, it's kind of excessive. So having a DJ that knows how to balance your advance, your crowd pleasers, your floor fillers, your partner dances, like that is definitely something that is crucial to my ideal mind dance venue at least. I don't know your take on that. Yes, and I would highly recommend that anybody... Um, who wants to hear more about how a DJ does his thing in a line dance setting, uh, I would recommend listening to the interview with uh, Louis St. George. Oh, yes. Because he is just full of information. He's been doing this for a long time. And I, I think that was our second... If not our second episode, then like within the first five. And... Well, if not in the first five, then at least in the first 15. Somewhere <laughs> in there. Um, yeah, he talks about how you have to constantly be watching the room seeing who has been doing dances for a while because um, even if the floor is staying full maybe it's staying full with the same people and you're making people unhappy so maybe fill it with a different group of people that hasn't been dancing try to figure out what do they know and how do I how do I get them engaged 
I would definitely like to talk to more DJs out there as well. So if anybody knows a DJ who would like to chat about line dance things, send them my way, and uh, maybe I'll fly out to wherever they are. We have uh, the interview with DJ Rick coming up um, yeah. to be posted soon. I believe uh, early in the year, early in January, uh, that'll be coming up. So hopefully folks will will get some solid knowledge out of that as well. I'm looking forward to that one for sure. Um, I'm not sure if you had any other ideas or anything like that. Well, one... Um, <coughs> go ahead and finish your sentence. No, well, because I have, I have a couple others. So oh, was, go right was, ahead. I'll remember mine. Okay. Um, air ventilation. Yes. Some places feels like it just traps all of the hot air and, like, you just can't catch your breath. Um, one of the few things that I loved about, unfortunately, one of the venues that did not succeed, um, Casa Del Mar. Yeah. They had the most amazing air fans. I don't even know what to call them, but, like, I never felt like I was overheated in that venue. And when I was sitting off to the side, I never felt cold. So I don't know how they made that happen, but it is crucial to have some type of circulation going on. I know we had talked about like a spot where you can go and rest and kind of recuperate. But while you're on the dance floor, you know, it's really hot to dance in 100 degree temperatures. So if you could find a way to regulate that too, that's definitely um, a must for me as a dancer who likes to dance as much as she possibly can. So, those are a few of the ones I was thinking of anyways. <coughs> One that, uh, that did not make it onto the written list, but that I've definitely given some thought to, especially with different places I've been, is having distance visually between the dance floor and the front door. <clears throat> because if you're able to see the front door, like it's a I mean, it's a tense volatile place coming in and out of the front door because you never know who's going to especially uh, hate to say it, but especially after some of the things that have happened this year, you really don't know who's coming in. Yeah. So there's that little bit of suspense when you're in a vulnerable letting everything go state on the dance floor. Anytime your view uh, includes that door, because anything can change depending who comes in. Yeah. And it takes away some of the magic, especially if you look out and you see the parking lot or some people just like leaning against a pole, spitting on the sidewalk or something. When you are on the floor, you should only see, in my opinion, like your immediate dance surroundings. Everything around you should make you feel safe and sort of nested. Yeah. Um, if you have the ability to to change this about the architecture than having the entrance kind of wind through another room like Kodiaks used to have like there was a ramp that went up and then it doubled back and then you would go you would go inside yeah um, what was it uh, Broken Spoke has a similar setup where you go into the front door and then you turn right and down a, like a hallway and then you, kind of thing exactly and then you turn left again um yeah, Stoney's has that you had to walk through the, the bar area to get to another door to get into the dance room, which is off to the side, so you still don't really see, like, direct sight of that doorway because right. it's facing the opposite wall of most front-facing dances. And then there have been other places where 
not only, I mean, there are some where, you know, you'll have sort of like an off angle to the front door itself, but they'll leave all the windows open. And then you see outside, and you don't feel like you're on this magical, anything-can-happen island of colored lights and, you know, your closest friends. Now you have this worry, are people outside laughing at me? Like, this is, maybe it's my first time here, and I I can't hide among the herd on this particular dance, but it's one I really want to try out. Like, you can hide in Copperhead, but what if you want to learn, like, Get Ugly on the floor? Right. And everyone's going to see you fail at get ugly that might be the last time you try to do it mm-hmm. so yeah feeling safe I mean we mentioned it earlier with security uh, like security staff but also just mentally having that area that the, the outside world can't touch when you're in here everything's taken care of the staff cares about you the owner cares about you the other people the other patrons are kind of in line because they don't want to mess things up and, you know, security is on hand. Yeah. A, a random dr- drunk driving truck can't just plow through the wall. Like, all these things that could, in other places, potentially happen, in the ideal place, they've all been accounted for. Well, and that's also something to be said as well. I know we've talked about it during the security topic, is you can't see really people get escorted out of the bar or not if you don't have a view of the front door. That's true. So it's still, you still have this safe feeling because nothing happens here. Right. Yeah, now, yeah. obviously, stuff happens. It's a bar, you know, but you're still under that illusion. I don't know how many times at other venues I've seen people get kicked out and I've seen the fight happen in the parking lot and I've seen it. So it's kind of like, eek, that's intense. That just totally, you know, brought me out of this peaceful, fun-loving spot because I'm like, oh, I really hope everybody's okay. Yeah. You know? And it brings me back to that reality of it. Whereas if you can't see the front exit or you don't see all the windows or anything like that, then it gives you a different illusion of this bubble that you're protected in that, you know, is one of the reasons why I have recently... I'm going to say, because it's only been six months, have fallen back in love with line dancing and stonies. It's because I feel so safe and protected there. Also, architecturally, I think there is a sweet spot between having, (coughs) like, a middle ground between having the passageways be too crowded so that you can't get through, but also too spacious so that there are places that you can sit and no one would ever notice you were there all night. Because if you go to a place like Broken Spoke, it's enormous, and that's great. If you have a huge crowd, then you've got to accommodate all those people. If you don't, then you can be sitting in whatever corner, and if you're shy, that's why you're there in that corner. You also wish maybe somebody would come up and say hi, but the place is so big. Why would they ever be out of their way You know, from going from their seat to the dance floor? Why would they ever pass by where you are? They would have to walk all the way in, in, in view of everybody, to, to where you are just so that maybe you're rude and say like oh uh, go away I'm looking at my shoes like then they feel like well I try to be a good guy now I gotta turn around and go back to my friends and, right like you want it to be a little bit cozier and I think Stoney's does a really good job of this where you have to kind of pass by people in order to get to other places mm-hmm. 
And that's where those little chance encounters can happen. That's where maybe a person notices you walking by or you notice them. Maybe you make a comment on their their cool piece of attire or their accessories and everything proceeds from that point. If it's too crowded, then you can't get anywhere and it's too pinched off. Then people start crossing across the dance floor and you don't want that either. Exactly. So if you're able to structure your ideal line dance bar in that way that people have to sort of see each other, no one can completely hide, uh, but they can also pull off to the side and, and uh, breathe. Yeah. That, that would be ideal, just finding that sweet spot. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think if there's anything else. I mean, I'm sure there's tons of stuff that I'll think of later now that there's, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> we've gone through the 24 list. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, one, one question that's come up in some of my earlier interviews is what's, like, the you don't have to name any names, but what are some really anti-ideal experiences you've had that kind of highlight how important these are, like sticky floor or slippery floor? Oh, well, concrete floor for one. Yeah. That, it's so discouraging. That's the word I'm going to use, discouraging. To get so excited for a night of dancing and then like go onto that concrete floor and not be able to spin the way I want to or step the way I want to or just you know because I have to be conscious about how much shock and absorption I am putting into my knees or my ankles because I'm dancing on concrete Um, that's why it is so crucial I mean and I fell in love with the floor at Mavericks like the space the feel the all of it it was just a beautiful floor I loved that floor. But then there would be times in which, you know, drinks were allowed on there. And, you know, even by accident, drinks, people can bring on drinks. I mean, it happened tonight. And they're like, hey, no drinks on the floor. They left. But when I went back on the floor after they had left, there was a couple drops of whatever drink they had had. So then I had to be very aware and conscious about where those were as to where I was dancing and how I was dancing so that I didn't slip. Um, so like, I mean, accidents can't happen obviously, but like if you're allowing people on the floor with drinks all the time, it's going to be that mess. Um, you had brought it up with the lighting, um, and how important lighting was because I did feel very exposed and just like it just wasn't special it wasn't magical the way some of the other events were um with you know the restaurant turned we're going to try this out for a couple weeks um event so that they didn't actually put in any time or effort to make it this is the dance floor um most places I've gone to has had access to water which is really nice um and that's one of the positive things that's happened that's why I love it so much so there's that as for like other things I know I've been excluded from learning dances I've had the experience of line dance lessons 
not be fluid and easy to pick up. And I felt, you know, like, I guess almost that I had to work twice as hard to learn the dance because of those factors. Um, I've been to, to places where there was so many people on the floor that it was really uncomfortable because of the sizing of their floor. So I chose to sit out of dances because it was either that or dance on top of someone. Right. So, and that's great for business, obviously, but at the same time, it discourages me from coming that specific night and paying that cover charge because for whatever reason, something wasn't adequately spaced. Um, I'm sure there's plenty. How about you? Lately, I guess I just haven't exposed myself to a lot of places that have been upsetting or displeasing, but definitely I've, I've experienced a lot of what you have, probably at some of the same places that you've experienced them. Probably. Uh, over, over my years of exploration. If you had to describe the ideal line dance bar in one word, what word would you use? Like, what word would... Because I think I've got one that sums up a lot of the different traits that are involved in this. But what would yours be? <laughs> Home. Ooh, I like that. Yeah, home. That's the best way I could think of it. How about you? What would yours be? Limitless. Because when you feel safe and when the floor is on your side and the lights make you feel superhuman, anything is possible and there's nothing holding you back. No patrons, no owners, no dances that are played. Nothing is stopping you from just fully expressing who and what you are. And when you go to the place that you can find that, you... You'd be hard-pressed to, like, find reasons to go to other places. Yeah, I can see that. All right, perfect timing. We have arrived at our destination post-Stoney's Rock and Rodeo. Any final thoughts on your end? There's so many things about an ideal venue, too, that, like, maybe are just those small little nuances that, because we're just so used to seeing it where we've, fallen in love with that particular venue that it doesn't occur to us that that's not done everywhere mm-hmm. um, but I'm always open to looking and changing opinions and discovering new ones as to what I like and don't like about particular venues mm-hmm. um, but I, I mean so far I think for the most part Stoney's has been the closest to my ideal venue for quite some time. So I'm looking forward to discovering a couple new venues to see if maybe I can't, like, if it holds up, mm-hmm. you know? There's a lot about Stoney's. I mean, specifically tonight, Kevin had come up and started talking to us and asked me how my macaroni and cheese was. And it was like, if I was having a good night, and it was like, yeah. I am. Thank you for asking. It's so nice to know that you care, even just a little bit. Mm -hmm. 
So, and here I am eating the free food in, you know, the environment I want to be with the dance floor I like, with the lights I like, with a DJ who knows what he's doing, with an owner who cares. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Total package in a lot of ways. How about you? Any final thoughts? Mm-hmm. I also am looking forward to seeing more bars and otherwise line dance venues throughout the world. I almost made it through all the ones in California last year, and then it didn't really make it as much of a priority this year. There are only a few left. There are only a few left. But I've got time. I am young yet. Yeah. And I can legally get into all of them. <laughs> so that's nice. Well, and that just leaves you know open for a new podcast discussion. That's true, yeah. Revised, updated version of you know, ideal qualities of uh, uh, a line dance bar or venue. Mm-hmm. All right, well, we'll leave folks in suspense to, to hear what those updated qualities would be uh, into the future. If and when we discover them. Indeed. All right, well, it's been a, a blast. We'd love to thank everybody, all the, the regulars out there who are listening to these every week. Like, I'd definitely like to thank them for... Um, for making it this far into our our episodes of varying length. I think the first one was like an hour and a half. The second one was half an hour. I don't even know. This one was the entire drive. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I would also love to hear anybody else's opinions that may or may not apply to what we've already listed. Yes. Because I'm sure there's some out there that I didn't, didn't think of. Mm-hmm. Like those places where they do line dance in the middle of a shopping mall. Like blows my mind they're gonna have all kinds of perspectives that i wouldn't even consider because it's a shopping mall never line dance in the shopping mall yeah yeah so So yeah the the conversation is open for anybody who would like to to chime in you know where to find uh me slash us yes yeah and uh we'll catch you next time